So look, the, the role of pastor includes a lot of things, but nothing more fulfilling than teaching, preaching, and getting to share the truth of who God is. Pastors get to do that around the country and a lot of times around the world. In 2017, I had that opportunity. This week, I am joined by my wife as we recount a story of uncertainty, faith, trust, prayer, and teamwork. This is the How Did I Get Here podcast. So today's episode is very special for a number of reasons, but the number one reason is because for the first time ever, I have my lovely wife, Jessica, on the podcast with me. So Jessica, go ahead and say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. So happy to be here and uh, get to be the first female guest that set her calves on the podcast and just uh, just experience this part of his life with him. Yeah, so before we get into our episode for today, um, I just have to be very thankful for my wife. Um, We have been married 11 years, and we have an 8-year-old son. Um, And it's really cool because Jessica always, almost always, uh, lets me go for it. I... (laughs) <laughs> I'm amb- ambitious in a lot of areas. And very much. when I talked about the possibility of starting a podcast, I was actually very hesitant to do this. But talking it through with her, she was like, yeah, just go for it. Give it a try. Um, just quick, funny story. We, we, we talked about all the stuff that's going to go into it. And I was trying to make sure I was very budget conscious going into this. And I had purchased... Um, oh, <laughs> I purchased a mic that I thought was going to serve well, which it did. Mm-hmm. But I quickly learned that uh, the equipment that needs that you need for a quality podcast, uh, you you can't really go like the cheap cheap route. But so I texted her and I said, "Hey, just so you know, I'm gonna have to invest some money into this." Um, and she texted me back. Do you remember what you said? I don't even remember. Are you well, you said um, the mics that you had were very. Um... Entry. entry level for podcasting and at this point when you text me that i think you had released two or possibly three max of your episodes or at least recorded a couple of them yeah <laughs> so i was like aren't you entry level at this point but yeah. i guess i was wrong yeah thanks <laughs> thanks wife but honestly uh, i'm very thankful for her because she she always is very supportive of myself and and also it's just really fun doing ministry in life with her um we'll get into to a whole episode i'm sure about just what ministry is like from not just a female perspective but you know from the perspective of being a pastor's wife but today our episode is centered around a very very unique opportunity that myself and and jessica and some other members of our church had in 2017 so actually in 2016 uh, one of the things that we were doing at the time as a church is we were looking for, I shouldn't say looking for, but there was a number of people that had reached out to us about the potential to um, support them from a mission standpoint. One of the unique things about our church is we're a very missional church and we send out missionaries and we support missionaries. And in 2016, we had this really unique opportunity to support 
um, Sending Hope International. And then after starting the support process with them, we decided, you know what, it's going to be really good if we could go on an actual mission trip and put boots on the ground and go ahead and help them with their ministry. So in 2017, we had this really awesome opportunity to go to Thailand and Cambodia to help Sending Hope. Um, just to give a little background about Sending Hope, uh, just, so Jessica, just tell us a little bit about what, what Sending Hope does. Yeah, so one of the unique things about Sending Hope is that it actually was uh, founded by a family here in Worcester, Ohio, back in 2010. And um, Dave and Joyce Adkins is who is our contact for that organization. But um, what Sending Hope International does is they feed, house, educate, and take care of girls in Thailand, and they're reaching out into a couple of other countries right now as well. But um, these girls are pulled from villages and uh, families that can't take care of them. But mostly they are at risk for sex trafficking, poverty, and exploitation of different um, things. So those girls are at risk and they're put into safe homes where they are loved on. And there's some uh, staff members that live in that house and take care of them year round, day round, the day round um and just basically provide for them not only their physical and medical needs but also um love on them and and teach them about god yeah so sending hope is a very awesome and unique ministry it is kind of cool that it was started here in our town so we we go through all the planning um for those that are familiar with mission trips uh, you know that you you go through the planning you select your team you're praying about this you you buy tickets, you pack, you go, you go through all of these things. Um, if you've never been on a mission trip, uh, I, I heavily encourage you to go on one. There's so many things you learn. Um, so we, we get our team together. There's seven of us from our church, specifically West Hill Baptist here in Worcester, Ohio. And then we were going to meet up with another team of, of, of people from an organization called the World Race. Um, if you want to look into what they do. And then there was also some other team members from other churches here in Ohio and um, also another family that was going to go on the trip with us as well. And they were from a church from out west and through connections and friends with um, Dave himself, they were going to be joining us on that trip. So so really everything in the planning stage of this trip went flawless. Uh, we, we We checked with with AAA to make sure that we were following all the rules as far as what we need to get into both countries. And just so you know, the plan was to, we're, we're going to be gone for um, 16 days, um, 16 or 17 days. I can't remember which one, um, but a week in Thailand first, and then a week in Cambodia second, uh, and then a couple of days travel um, in between, well, from the U S to, to that part of that, to the, to that part of the world. And then a couple of days travel. So we were going to, we were going to be gone for about right. 16 days. So that's a long time to be gone away from, from home to be halfway around the world. Uh, just, just, can you like, can you think of anything that you just like some of the thought process as we were planning to go on that trip for so long? Yeah. So a big part of that was the flight times were just so long. I think we went from Cleveland to New York and then the New York to China flight was 16 hours alone. 
Um, so that was really insane. Um, and then we had another short flight. So we were on, I believe, three different flights to even get to Thailand. Um, so just the travel time was something we had to mentally prepare for and know that we had to have enough stuff. And um, we went on China Airways, I believe. And so just not knowing what even that airline does and, and such was uh, kind of an experience and something we had to prepare for. Yeah, we'd never flown. Um, it was China Southern and we'd never flown on on uh, that airline before. So there was a lot of excitement and not yeah. just excitement for travel, but excitement to go do ministry work. We were going to put on a camp. We were going to uh, teach um, teach the girls at both locations. We were going to be a support to the staff there that take uh, takes care of those girls, um, like Jessica said, day in and day out. So that was that was really what the plan was. So weeks leading up to it, we actually went through training with Dave and uh, one of the other gentlemen who had gone a few different times. And we each were assigned different areas of things we had to do during the camp. But um, oddly enough, I got assigned how to tie knots. And if you know me, like, that's not my thing. But I took it on and I was like, I hope I can teach these kids these knots and remember the different types of knots and how to do this. Um, but it was just unique training that they will use. But we had to learn to be able to teach them. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I actually remember when we were going through that training, looking at the different things. I think there was like survival things. There was, like Jessica said, tying knots. I 100% pulled the pastor move and was like, look, I'm going to be responsible for teaching and preaching. I'm not going to be uh, the person that's going to be doing any kind of field work. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I, it, just, it was just one of those things that, that was unique to this trip specifically. We also went through some training uh, from a cultural perspective, mm. things you can say, things you can't say, you know, even down to, you know, how to, how, like certain body posture, just because you want to be respectful of the culture as we are there on doing, uh, really doing the Lord's work. So, like Jessica said, we we leave, we leave Cleveland. We fly to New York. We fly from New York to China. We fly from China um, to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and this is the first leg of our trip. We're excited. One of the things I remember walking off the plane in thailand was the scenery there was a mountain range mm. directly behind us and i remember turning around actually like walking on the gangway and, and and seeing that and i i just remember thinking to myself this is beautiful this is unbelievable you know we've been traveling for so long and it's finally um, exciting to get there and i just remember looking at that and seeing it um and i was just so i was just excited i mm. just couldn't believe that scenery so we we, we walk into the airport we we go to the counter, which is Border Patrol and Customs, and we have all of our documents. We have everything that we need. Um, myself, since I was leading the team, I, I this is something I always do. I make sure everyone gets to where they need to be. Um, so I made sure everyone got through or got in the proper lines and got through. So literally every member of our team, and not just our team, but some of those other people that were traveling from different parts of the country, we, we're all there. So everyone is going through customs and you know they're going through and passports are being checked and they're being stamped and they're being let in um and i think this is a good point to let everybody know that i'm originally from the bahamas so all of my uh, immigration documents are still my bahamian documents i still have a bahamian passport um yes i i do live in the u.s legally <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a green card yes. so I, I had that 
I had that documentation as well. Um, so, and I was the last one to be in line. So I'm in line and I, I, I stepped at a counter and the, I hand the lady my documents and she's looking and actually Jessica and I are together. So I right. hand her both of our sets of documents and she looks at Jessica's passport and, and everything, you know, is good. And then she looks at mine and she, she's puzzled. Um, and I think it's because I have a Bahamian passport. So she kind of, you know, puts her finger up and says one minute and she steps away for a second to go get, uh, I guess what was a supervisor just to ask a question. And they start talking to each other, obviously in their native language. So we can't really understand what they're saying, but immediately I realized that something isn't right. Right. Um, but no, no panic. So they discuss a little bit more. They kind of go in the side room and then there's another supervisor that comes out and she isn't as nice as the lady that's at the counter. And without using any English words, I understood <laughs> that she basically said that I don't have the right documents hmm. and that she couldn't let me into the country. And I think at this point, the, the, the anxiety starts to go up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically just immediately start to plead my case. I was like, look, I, I have travel documents. I have a green card, which I understand like that green card's for here in the U S it's not for, right. it's not for, <laughs> for Thailand. But I was just basically trying to prove that I came from the place that I reside. Um, so I'm showing her these documents. And so they go again back to the side room and, there's there's a little bit of a commotion. They actually signal and motion for us to go back there with them. So at yeah. this point, Jessica decides, look, I'm not going through customs. I'm staying with my husband. Right. Yeah. There's no way um, I would leave his side. And oddly enough, this isn't our first time um, being stopped at a custom border and such. And we uh, are accustomed to that a little bit um, too much and, and always for good reasons and such. But um We've had that experience before where we've gotten pulled on the side, asked a few extra questions, and had to go through a few extra steps than the people we were traveling with just to get into where we were going. So, oddly enough, we we know how to compose ourselves during these times and the right questions to ask, um, but the language barrier kind of put up some of those things that were like, wait, what does that mean, or what are they looking for, and how can we provide that for them? Yeah, so... We go in the room. One of the things I remember is the main supervisor. This is a lady whose uniform was different than everybody else's. So that's how I know that she uh, was in charge. And I remember her looking at my passport and she sat at her computer and she typed in Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So I started to get nervous because it seemed like she didn't even know where that was. Mm. So she started to look it up. I guess she started to look up to see what was the requirements um, and like I said, it's, it's very apparent that I'm, I'm not getting into Thailand. So I'm pleading my case and I tell Jessica to go and let the team know that's on the other side of the customs counter right. that, Hey, you know what? There's a problem and we're going to try and work this out. So the team is on the other side. There isn't still a ton of panic, but you can see that they want to make sure everything's okay. So they're on, they're on the other side. I think, on um, one, one of our other team leaders, you know, decides, okay, well, at least let's go to the, go to the section where we can get our, our luggage, which, mm-hmm. w- which really wasn't that far away from where that actual border was. Um, and after what seemed like forever, it's, 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 it's becoming more and more obvious that, that I'm not going to be allowed into the country. And 
we didn't know this until later, um, but I guess there was a special visa that I, as a Bahamian citizen, needed to enter into the country of Thailand. So the main lady starts to stamp my passport. And look, it it could be in any language. You know what a declined stamp looks like. <laughs> she, For sure. She, she, she pulls out this big thing and she stamps my passport and she writes in there. Basically, it says... You were declined at the border. Now, let me tell you something. If you've never traveled to another country before, the worst thing that you could have happened to you is for a country to stamp into your passport mm-hmm. that you were declined entry into that country. Right. It is a huge red flag. So so, so she stamps into my passport that I'm not getting into Thailand. And I, I start to plead my case. It's funny. I remember Jessica really pleading like mm-hmm. look this is what's going like this is we're, we're here together we're we're here to we're here for a camp we're here to do we're here to do stuff yeah my biggest thing was we are leading a group of people into your country we are trying to do this he is a legal resident of the u.s that's where he came from we have everything we checked this ahead of time we did our homework we made sure that these things were okay um and none of this came up And it was so funny because I remember her kind of pointing to a sheet that was on her window. And I think it only had 50 countries that are allowed to get into Thailand without uh, any other paperwork. And she's, it was like, she was motioning like, well, this is the golden rule list right here. You know, you have to abide by this. And I was like, but that's not the internet. And that's not where I got all of my information from. And that was posted nowhere. So how could we be leading this group of people and yet you're not letting the leader in and um had a little bit of a panic and some selfishness about that going on and um, like Cedric said our team could definitely see us and um they were starting to worry because they hadn't been through these type of things before and didn't know what was going on because we didn't have communication until I went over and talked to them and kind of asked them to just pray at that moment while we were going through this yeah so at this point there is a lady who's actually a ticket agent and she spoke really good English. So she came over to kind of assist with the situation and she is translating for us. And she ex- basically explains that that by law that I was not going to be allowed into the country and by law, and this is really the law pretty much in every mm-hmm. country. If you're denied, you have to go back on the vessel that you came in on. Yeah. So the timeline is a little bit fuzzy just because we were in a panic, um, but it, it felt... Adrenaline yeah, running. Yeah, adrenaline. And it felt like forever, but uh, we know that at least an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes had gone by as we were going through this whole process, which means that the vessel that I came on, that we came in on, had already left. Mm-hmm. It had already reloaded and went back to China. So... Now, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was the last vessel returning to China that day. Yes, it yeah. was. Yes. So so not only did it return, there were no flights going back to China. So now there's an even bigger problem because not only am I not allowed and not only am I supposed to go back on the vessel I came in, came in on, that vessel's gone and there are no other flights to China. So the next option is some kind of detention. And this is where everyone is freaking out. Yeah. Um, I have never been detained or locked up. <laughs> and I was going to have to do it by choice <laughs> to, yeah. just to stay with you. Yeah. And, um, that's not something that I ever want to experience. Mm-hmm. So I internally, I am panicking, but, and I, I, and I really don't know. I mean, I know today at the time I didn't know what, why I was able to access 
this level of calm, but I remember just being calm. I remember mm-hmm. hearing the Lord say to me, look, you're, you're the leader of this group and right. you can't be the one that is, that's falling apart. So I just remember using some, just some internal wisdom, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember just calmly talking to the ticket agent lady. And I said, look, is there another option? And I don't know why, but I just, I, I, the thought of like, Hey, show her your itinerary came to mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I said, you know what? We, we we have a two-week-long itinerary. We're here for a week, and we're in Cambodia for a week. Look, I already have my tickets bought. So I pull my itinerary out. I show her so that she can see that I'm telling the truth and that us as a group, we all have tickets bought to fly from Thailand to Cambodia mm-hmm. in a week's time. And I said, you know, again, not 100% sure why I even thought of this. I said, the plane back to China is gone already. And I really don't want to be detained. And I really don't want my wife to be detained with me. How about you just let us fly to Cambodia? Can right. can I fly to Cambodia? I already have a ticket bought. And I'm not allowed into Thailand. So how about you just let me go to Cambodia? Well, there was this huge ruckus. Mm-hmm. They were like, that that can't be allowed. You have to go back to China. But there was no way back to China. There was no flights to China. I couldn't go to Thailand. And I didn't want to be locked up. So I just remember, I just remember Jessica praying in those moments mm-hmm. and and at this time the team's praying so the team's on the yeah. other side of the of the counter they're praying and jessica's praying and i'm talking to this ticket agent lady who is speaking english and she's translating to the customs or border patrol officer yeah and dave who who started this foundation who we were meeting up with in thailand had gotten there at that point and he was being filled in by our team and they were all praying and and when i when we had proposed this to the the lady um and she went to go do some research we went ahead and went over to the team and, and i told them like this is our options this is what we're thinking about and dave then got on the phone i think with some of the cambodia people to see if there was some things that we could do once we got there if we were able to leave early yeah so so if we fast forward a little bit we we basically get them to agree the the irony is I have to go and change my or Jessica and I have to go and change our tickets mm-hmm. to from a week later to the current day. Um, and in order for that to happen, we actually had to go to the ticket counter of the airline that we were going to fly to Cambodia. The ticket counter of that airline is beyond the border, which means I have to enter technically enter thailand in order to do this and the border patrol lady was absolutely not that's not going to happen and look it was inconvenient but i really respect her Mm -hmm. for you know following the rules but the ticket agent lady i remember seeing it in her face the look on her face like something's different about these people so i'm gonna do everything that i can to help and she basically pleaded with that border patrol lady and said you know what how about we escort him Mm -hmm. so i have these two officers escort me and jessica literally what what felt like probably 50 yards <laughs> 50 yeah. 50 yards from one at one side of the border to the other to this ticket counter we change our tickets from you know the date which was going to be a week later to the current day and i remember i, I do believe the change fee was like 30 bucks and i yeah. just remember being shocked by that yeah um <laughs> So we for changed, both tickets. Yeah, for both tickets. And I thought, well, hey, at least this isn't crazy expensive. It's really mm-hmm. inconvenient, but not expensive. So 
we 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 get our ticket changed and before we go back to the section where technically I'm supposed to be I don't know why but I asked that lady the ticket lady ticket agent if it's okay if I just pray with the team I don't even know if she understood exactly what was going on and I just remember this amazing god moment taking place mm-hmm. we were in the middle of the airport I'm I'm being escorted by guards mm-hmm. and they they allow us to pray with each other right we we get in a circle and we just start praying yeah and um it was it was just a, a special moment yeah we we were all circled up I think we were holding hands with our luggage in between and you know, definitely we look, we don't look like everybody else that's around us and we're doing something that none of them probably know a lot about. And we're just in this moment, just fully transparent with God and talking with him and just, um, giving him thanks that we had an option, um, presented to us that we didn't have to go all the way back to the U S because that was probably what was going to happen originally. Um, so that was just really cool to be in that moment and, and not only watch Cedric be composed and um, really take on this challenge, but also just lead in a different way. He he totally took on his role, and and I just watched him be a godly man and an ever kneeling man and a man that I knew I could follow no matter what. And um, I'm thankful that God gives us those moments to rise and shine in and um, just basically fall even more in love with him. You know, when you, when you stand at the altar and you say your vows in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, you automatically think of the relational things like loving each other, being patient with each other, parenting together one day. But you, but you never think about getting turned down at the border, you know, and um, I'm just so thankful that I could watch him be a better husband and to be that man of God that I knew he was, um, but just watch him just take a hold of that whole situation and, and lead us through there, even though the team and us were splitting up and we weren't going to be together for at least a week, we knew that um, he was still the leader of this missions trip and and these people at this time. Yeah, it's just one of those unique things about being in full-time ministry that you never know what exactly the Lord's trying to teach you. You could plan and plan and plan, but um, he still has, he still has his own plan. So we, we get this, we get all this sorted out. Jessica and I, we give our hugs. We we say to the team, hey, it's going to be okay. We'll see you in a week. At this point, Dave was able to um, contact the team in Cambodia just to let them know that, hey, we've got two people from the team that's going to come a little bit early. I think it's important to point out that we didn't know for sure if we can get into Cambodia. Um, one of the things that we were really nervous about when they were trying to push us to go back to China was that we would have to figure out a place to stay in China or figure out how to get to Cambodia, but we didn't think that would work. Or we could possibly have to go all the way back to the U.S. in that first day of travel. And 
I was already done with traveling when we got to Thailand. So that thought of getting back on another plane for 17 hours and such to come all the way back to the U.S. didn't make sense to me. Um, but when we got this option to go to Cambodia, there still wasn't a guarantee that we would get past that border. Um, it, they had a little bit different of a process, which we'll get into. But so when we said goodbye to our team and we're praying with them, it was in full hope of Christ that we would actually see them in a week in Cambodia. If not, we knew that we would just meet back up with them in the U.S. Yeah. And I think it's important to know, too, like, I mean, it it was all of this is just a total faith thing. Right. Um, I think the more we we've had, obviously, you can tell we've had years to think about this and to to think back on it. And I think that a lot of the things that we did at that time was just in faith. It's just yeah. really interesting. So uh, just recently, uh, towards the end of a lesson in Sunday school, I, I was just encouraging people to to be to be like Peter and 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 step out of the boat, be that be like that part of Peter and step out of the boat instead of you know the part where there there's no faith. And like Jessica said, we had no idea, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. We were so comfortable. I guess we just knew that going to Cambodia might be less of a hassle than trying to go to China and and work our way all the way back, Mm -hmm. back home. So we, we leave, we leave Thailand. It's just funny. I I just remember a couple of things along the way. I remember through all of that commotion, I had a water bottle that I got, I, I was able to get some water between the time of getting our tickets and going on to the new flight and forgot that in my bag and got in trouble for having that water <laughs> bottle. So I had to dump that water out. Um, I remember not a lot of people being on that flight. So we get on, we get on this plane, we're flying to Cambodia and again, we're, we're sitting there and we finally take a breath. We take off. I remember looking out of the window and I remember seeing the sun set behind us yeah. And it was, again, just one of these little God moment things. I, I, I just don't, I just remember, okay, that seems like the Lord is saying that part of the trip is behind you. I need you to focus on what I have for you that's in front of you. And Jessica and I have talked about this and she said it so many times. I don't know why. I don't know why God would bring us all the way to Thailand to drop five people off and send us back to the U.S. I don't understand what this is, but he's got something for us. I kept saying, like, it just didn't make sense. And it seemed that he had more for us. Yeah. And side note, I I felt like this was a lesson for me because I am a meticulous planner. (laughs) Um, I had everything about the trip planned Mm -hmm. to the T and God's like, nope, you don't. So we we land in Cambodia. And I remember just the way the airport was situated. We land and we pull into the airport and we get off the plane. And the first I noticed two things right away. One, it was pitch black. Yes. And two, there was about six or seven other planes sitting on the tarmac. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, it's e- either all these flights are just getting in or I didn't know what was going on. Um, and, you know, Jessica and I have traveled quite a bit. So you just kind of you get accustomed to seeing certain things when you travel. And I just that just stood out to me. So we walk in to this airport, which is a giant steel building of an mm-hmm. airport. 
Um, and we get inside, and there are hundreds so of people, people. So inside many. this airport. Yeah, so many people um, going every which way from those planes. Um, yeah, it was just a madhouse in there. And we were all being funneled to this one point. Yeah, so I remember immediately thinking, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> All of these flights came in at the same time. So we're being herded literally through this line. Um, and it's a really interesting experience. So you actually don't get your visa until you get to Cambodia. You have to have 30, uh, $30, mm-hmm. 30 American dollars, US dollars. Yeah, it had and, to be US. Yeah, it yeah. had to be 30 US dollars. So we, we get in line and... Uh, I feel like we kept taking these really long sides because we still don't know exactly what we're going to do. We don't know where we're going. Like, you have to remember, we have no idea where we're going to stay. We have no one meeting up with us. We have no one meeting up with us. The whole, the, the house that we're going to do the work for Sending Hope is three hours away from where we flew into. Mm-hmm. We have no contacts, but we're... We're walking through a Cambodian airport. And we're not sure if we still can enter this country. Right. So we get to the counter. We put our money there and our passports. Which we had to put our money in our passports, which sounds super shady to me. Yeah. So it was just, you know, at this point, everything's heightened. So, so, but this process is really interesting. So the counter is like high above you, kind of like, you know, old school pharmacy counter. And so you walk to the counter, you put your passport with the money in there. And it's literally this assembly line. It's mm-hmm. this assembly line. People take your passport. They look at it. They stamp it. It moves to an next person. They take the money. It moves to an next person. Um, and they put the visa in it. And it moves to an next person. And then you have to basically get in another line and wait for them to call your name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica noticed just kind of like a funny thing when we were going through that. Yeah. It, the, the line and you kind of walk and follow them. But you don't really make a lot of eye contact. They're all looking down. And you couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, but it looked like they were all watching their shows on their, on their phones and they were all very much into it, but it also seemed like their hands were moving, but their eyes weren't moving. So it was like they were literally watching their shows and just shuffling the papers down and, uh, just it just caught my eye and it was kind of funny at the moment. Yeah, you can tell they had been used to doing that for hours on end, but they were really good at it. So we... We get our names called. We get our passports. We realize that we're going to be approved. We go through Border Patrol. And we're like, okay, we're, we're in Cambodia. So this mm-hmm. is good. We get to the carousel um, with our flight information on it, waiting for our bags. We're standing there. Bags are going around, going around, going around. Um, we sit there for a few minutes. And we realize that our bags are not there. <laughs> not one of them. <laughs> I mean, we can't, we can't make this up. So... We don't get into Thailand. We get kicked out of Thailand. We're able to go to Cambodia. We get to Cambodia and our bags aren't there. Mm-hmm. So we go to this counter. We fill out this paperwork saying that our bags aren't there. They go and locate it. And thankfully, the lady right. let us know that, well, hey, you know what? Your bags are actually on the next flight right. that's coming in right after yours. So we were going to have to wait about 35, 45 minutes, um, which actually ended up being, being a, a blessing. Being a huge blessing, Yeah. So that extra time of waiting on our bags not only allowed us to sit there for a moment and give God praise for being able to enter the country, but um, the airport had Wi-Fi that we could use. And um, that's a huge blessing because we were able to use that to look up some options um, that are just 
went to doing his magic and looking up things and found us um, a hotel that wasn't too far away and um, that seemed to have an opening for the evening. So basically we knew, okay, we have an option of where we could stay tonight once our luggage gets in. Yeah, because we remember we, we have no idea where we're going to stay and how we're going to get there. So the fact that we had that 45 minute window for me to mm-hmm. do a little bit of research to find a safe place to stay yeah. uh, was just a blessing from God. Yeah. You, I, I'm pretty sure that's the only time in all of my travel that I was actually happy our our luggage wasn't there because we would have been in a panic trying to figure some things out. So we sit there, I find a place and I uh, get an address uh, we wait. The time goes by. Our luggage comes in on the other flight. Like the lady said, we get our luggage. We get a taxi. We're driving to this place. We're in Cambodia. We've never been here before. We have no idea where we're going. Nobody speaks English. At least our taxi driver didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. And we were asking some version of, okay, God, what are you trying to teach us? Why did you put us through this process? How in the world did I get here to this point? Mm-hmm. How did we go from being in Worcester, Ohio, planning this trip for months to a T perfectly, I would like to say. Like, I felt like it was planned perfectly <laughs> to sitting in a taxi on our way in a country when our team is in a different country. So we And it's just the two of us. Yeah, it's just the two of us, which um is also a blessing. Yeah. So, what do you remember from from our from once we get to the hotel? Well, w- right at the end, um, I've, I we're passing all these really elaborate hotels and all lit up fancy things, and they look great. And I'm like, oh, maybe maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's one of these. This is gonna be great. Really big place to stay, all lit up. And then we turn down this really dark <laughs> alley that I don't know how this van fit down without scraping the sides. And I just had a selfish, like panic attack moment of like, Oh my gosh, we are being captured or something, you know, just crazy thoughts that run through your head. And, but you're like, no, no, God has a purpose and a plan. God, you, you protect us. I think this is the only moment during this time where she looked at me with uncertainty because, (laughs) because like she said, yeah, because like she said, we're driving by and these hotels are like, they're really nice. They're Mm -hmm. huge. You're all lit up. And I was like, okay, all right, God, well, you know, you put us through all this and we're going to at least be able to stay at a sweet looking resort place. And like Jessica said, what seems like the one place that I picked was definitely not a fancy resort on the strip. So like she said, we're driving down this really dark alley we pull up to the entrance of the hotel, which I kid you not. You is, couldn't see. You couldn't see it. It no. literally was the entrance of the hotel was guarded by hedges and palm trees. And the walkway was boards over water. <laughs> so, so so I thought, well, I uh, I didn't pick the right one. So, so, so we walk up. We get the information and we walk up to the to the to the check-in counter, and by check-in counter, I use that term very loosely. Um, so we... But it's much more lit and very nice and clean once we got through the hedges. I will point that out. Yeah. So we check in. We are shown to our room. We get into our room. We close the door. We lock the door. We sit on the bed. And we we prayed. 
and we cried yeah. and we we asked a lot of questions but the one question that i think jessica and i found ourselves not asking was why we had right. asked why a number of times from the time we were stopped to the time that we're at this point we we asked the question why and i learned this lesson from my father actually who is a is a pastor as well so i'm a second generation pastor and i remember during a really difficult time of his life he he kind of taught this lesson to us and he said you know what you just need to learn to not ask god why but you need to learn to ask him what mm-hmm. what is it that you want me to do now that you have brought me to this place so jessica and i were sitting there and i remember we're praying and that little lesson came screaming back to my mind and mm-hmm. i thought all right god what do you want me to do? Yeah, um, I definitely was asking the question of, God, what do you want me to see? What is your plan for me in this moment? How can I do work right here for you, for your kingdom? Um, looking back on that um, and and some going through some journals that I wrote at that time during that trip... Um, I was really focused and honed in on Proverbs two, which is the value of wisdom and Proverbs chapter three, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, um, I just remember having such a peace because even verse three, um, which says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. And I just remember in that hotel room, like it was that night was enabled a time for us to reset a time for us to gather our thoughts and gather, um, up all the emotions, the exhaustion, the, the hunger and, and different things throughout the day and just kind of lay it all at God's feet and be like, you were there with us. You went through it and God, you right now are with us in this room. And apparently you have work for just Cedric and I to do this week. And, let us lean into you more and more than ourselves. Let us, let us see your face and not be distracted by anything else, but let us do everything for your kingdom and your glory this week. Yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things that we always do before we go on a mission trip outside of planning for the physical nature of a trip is I like to walk teams through and help them plan for the spiritual nature of the trip. And I remember we spent time reading and praying Um, through some very specific things and I remember saying you know we need to be prepared for anything that God has for us this over this next two weeks or or, you know when we're on this trip we need to be we need to be ready we need to be ready to share the gospel and to be salt and light I remember all those things but I don't remember planning on the lesson being uh, that early into the trip and for us to be to be split up like that um, so, so like Jessica said, we, we sat there and, and we prayed and we, we got a little bit of clarity, um, but we weren't sure exactly what we were supposed to do outside of the fact that it was going to take place in, in Cambodia. So after having a few moments to compose ourselves after getting some additional information like jessica said from dave and 
starting to loosely put together the possibility of a plan for the next day and how we were going to get to the other part of Cambodia where the Sending Hope home was, um, we we decided just to kind of have um, some lighthearted moments as we ended our day. And I remember Jessica saying, she's like, you know, man, I'm really bummed out. Like, I'm glad we're here and I'm glad we're safe. But I was really looking forward to... <laughs> to Having Thai food in Thailand. Oh, I so badly wanted to try that. I'm not going to lie. That's that's a selfish thing for me. Yeah. And not only that. So because of the way our schedule worked, we actually had some like built in. Hey, we just got done traveling all day. Let's take a moment and kind of like catch ourselves things. And one of those things was um, a little like quick half day of sightseeing and Thai food in Chiang Mai before we hopped into a van to drive uh which i what i think was like three or four hours to the sending hope home so we're laying there at the end of the night and thinking you know just like like jessica said selfishly like man we're not gonna be able to experience thai food we're not gonna go off on a tangent about the place that asian and ethnic food has in in mine and jessica's heart (laughs) so um, we're it's not sure. Thing. Yeah, I think I think at one point we actually thought, are there any are there any sins that we haven't repented for? <laughs> this is we're being punished by by being sent to another place and not being able to have not being able to have Thai food. But um, but we we obviously knew that that wasn't true, and I was just glad that in those moments my wife was able to have a lighthearted moment and we were able to to smile and just kind of take a moment to to still be us in the chaos. Um, and before we end our our time today with part one of this story, um, there was an... It's definitely not over. That's yeah, for sure. it's definitely not over. This is literally, <laughs> this is part one of many. We're going to try and not make it many, but this is part one. Um, before we end our time with that, you know, we've had so many conversations and Jessica um, just had a number of things that, that we that she learned, but that we both learned um, just going through this process together. Right. So as I spoke earlier, um, Proverbs 2 and 3 just were heavy on my heart um, throughout this whole trip. Um, and I want to read and end today with um, Proverbs 3, 19 through 24. It says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul, and the adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And we really did have some sweet sleep that night. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. So there are th- there's so many things that we have learned through the journey of our life at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that trip, that part, well, the whole trip, but that part of the trip specifically was such an eye-opener for us. And we maybe not in these exact words, but we found ourselves asking, you know, how did we get here 
early we found ourselves asking, okay, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And later we found ourselves asking, okay, what do you want me to do? And I think that's really, that's really the point of us sharing this with you is it's an experience that we've had together. It's an experience that really only the two of us have had. And we want to say, at least in this part, that one of the things that we learned that was helpful was to ask, what do you want us to do, God? What's the next step? Show us the way. And um, the next time we ask, how did I get here? The answer is definitely going to include a path that God laid out for us. So mm-hmm. we, we're, we're thankful that you joined us for this part one of of this epic story yeah. of our our trip to uh, Thailand for an hour and a half and <laughs> to to Cambodia for um, two weeks. Um, so please join us for part two as we continue to walk through this. Um, we know that we we're appreci- we appreciate the fact that you're listening to it and we hope that you were encouraged by it. Uh, so don't uh, hesitate to join us for the second part of it. And if you are new to our podcast, go ahead and check out some of the other episodes and subscribe. Uh, give us a rating, leave a comment, um, tell somebody about it and join us for the second part of this story. This is the How Did I Get Here podcast. I am Cedric Beckles and joined by my wife, Jessica Beckles. Until next time, we will see you then. Bye, everyone. Or you will hear us then. Bye.